The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Des Bishop is with me here. Uh, Des, listen to pleasure and thanks a million. He was great, wasn't he? Can I get an amen? I mean, this guy, I was with this guy the whole way. Yeah, I know. I mean, he, he, he summed it up pretty well. That's America right now. That's what, I mean, I think it's the world too, but it's amplified more in America. Do you, like, we kind of can take a certain degree of entertainment out of everything that goes on here because we don't have to live with it. You do. So I mean, currently, I, currently I'm here more, so I am living with it. A so bit. then how do you kind of assess it, view your own take on it? I mean, my take is almost exactly the same as this guy's, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, so it, it's very hard to, you know, to not say exactly what that guy said. Everybody's amped up. Everybody's very reactionary. It's very hard to have civil debate. Uh, I mean, I know I sound like a typical, like, middle-aged guy. In America, you'd say middle-aged white guy because it's, it's a lot about race here, right? But I sound like a typical, typical middle-aged guy in that I miss the center. The center <laughs> has been hollowed out. It's like the worst thing you can be is, like, nuanced and just have, like, a nuanced position because actually you just you annoy everybody, so you get no support. So you're better off picking a side because at least if you pick a side, you'll get some people supporting you to support you against all the hate you're getting. Whereas if you don't pick a side, then they're hating you from both sides. So it's very difficult. And does that, like, down to what degree or strata of society does that division exist? Because, you know, there's an argument sometimes that the division is, is kind of uh, an entertainment thing. It's a kind of a gladiatorial thing in the arena. It doesn't reflect, actually, people are just getting on with their lives outside in the real world. But well, I mean, that, that is true to an extent. However, yeah. the evidence suggests that in America, it's a little more than that yeah. because people are actually acting on this belief. They're acting on this amplified belief, like January 6th being the number one example. But the fact that Tucker Carlson, I mean, you, you mentioned him, and obviously I'm showing that I have a side. <laughs> I'm not showing my side. Tucker Carlson comes out and says, keep your AR-15s ready. Because he knows that that level of rhetoric is selling for him. Mm. There's like, there's big money in divisiveness, you know? And so it moves out of the entertainment factor that you're talking about. And it's getting into, I mean, I've been saying this for years since Trump was elected, that we're getting into the 1930s vibe people. Mm. I have a history degree, useless degree <laughs> from UCC. <laughs> Uh, but people don't see the, that this is, seems quite like a reflection of the 30s. And I think in the 30s, they wouldn't have been aware how dangerous the divisiveness was until it was too late. And I feel like when you're in America, not in New York, obviously, but I'm traveling around. I'm doing gigs around here. Mm. When you're in America, you see that the potential is there. I don't think it's an inevitability, but the potential is there for something like very scary. And I, I, I'm not scaremongering here. It's like, it's like real. You can feel it. And, I, and sorry, the last thing I'll yeah. say is, and if a presenter on the main, Fox News is the number one rated news channel, if he feels comfortable saying, keep your guns ready, he, he's literally talking about like we might be heading towards like a civil war or like get ready just in case we're going to have a coup. And it's kind of, what I find remarkable is that he can say that and yet there would be Americans who you know, more on the Tucker Carlson side of things, listening to you. And as soon as you mention 1930s in Germany, they're dismissive of it. Oh, that, I know, that's, hi- that's that, so that, silly. That, that, that's hyperbole. That Des is engaging in absolute hyperbole here. That, no, but that's because they're thinking of 1939. They're not thinking of 1935. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. They're thinking that I'm bringing up 
you know, the extreme end of the journey towards Hitler's rule. But that's because they're ignorant of history. The reality is that there was a time where people became comfortable with the rhetoric, and the rhetoric escalates to the point where people don't question the extermination of human beings. That didn't, that was a journey, you know? And so say, for example, let's just use the 1930 example, right? So Hitler kind of rose up on the, you know, the Weimar Republic hyperinflation, but then actually mm. the economy settled down for a while, right? And Hitler disappeared, and then the Great Depression, sorry, in the 20s, then the Great Depression happened, and that's really when Hitler rose, right? Yeah. So right now you got these banking crises, like what happens if Biden becomes such a pariah because the economy tanks? It's literally like an exact same thing. Trump rises up, actually, then, you know, the economy improves, people go, eh, maybe Biden's not that bad, but if he tanks and the, the, the country goes to hell, then it's really, it's really set up. Because I, I remember- And by the way, Trump's father was a Nazi. <laughs> Let's not forget the, the elephant in the room that Trump's father was a Nazi. And America First was literally a Nazi banner in Madison Square Garden, which so, is around the corner from where we are right now. So was JFK's out, lad. He wasn't a Nazi. Ah, he was, was a, a bootlegger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this. I mean, uh, like- there's an argument, though, and, and I've heard Condoleezza Rice make this. Uh, who is she talking to? David Axelrod on his podcast. And she was saying, yeah, listen, there's more to democracy, though, than just voting for a president. There's all the institutions. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? It, 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 those are not necessarily being hollowed out to the same degree that, you know, maybe. No, but the faith, the in, them, the faith in them is diminishing okay. rapidly. I mean, I, I think that's like th- the problem is that, like. That's like when you listen to the boring people like Sam Harris and, you know, other like political podcasts. It's so boring, but actually stability is really boring. But I think that the faith in the institutions is diminishing. And that actually comes from both sides. I mean, we're actually focusing a little bit on the sort of like the right and, and, and the issues with them. I got, I got my issues on, on the extreme other side, too. But on both of those sides, the, 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 the faith in the institutions has diminished to mm. such a great degree that it does feel like um, the system as it is now might not hold up. And honestly, I think that they're right. On both sides, there are elements of criticism that are warranted. You know, like it's always good to be critical of institutions so that they can evolve and grow. The corruption is immense. America, like the Bernie bros and the Trump people, they're all talking about getting the money out of politics. And I, I couldn't agree with both sides more on that. Like the fact that there's so much money in American politics takes the takes the ability to, for it to be representative of the people almost completely out of it because you have to be beholden to your paymasters. You know, you literally can't, like, I, I, I'm a very pro-vax. So, I, I, you know, it, when you're critical of pharmaceutical companies, it seems like you're being, like, anti-vax. But I'm very pro-vaccine. However, it's clear that the pharmaceutical industry funds so many American politicians. You know, the Kirsten Cinema, she mm-hmm. literally, she's a straight flip based off money that she's getting from the, from the healthcare industry. You know, so suddenly she won't take on the healthcare industry. These things are all real. And that's the thing I liked about Bernie is he was really pushing hard to take the campaign financing out of politics. So I agree with that on both sides. So what I'm saying is, anyway, that was a very long-winded answer, that I think that the criticism of the institutions is warranted, but the complete lack of faith in the institutions that has, you know, been accelerated by the Internet is, is a little bit dangerous. But when you mentioned the vaccine as well, I mean, that's another aspect of... of it seems politics and society here that doesn't necessarily exist yet for us, but, you know, we might be going that way. And it's that everything, like literally every issue gets consumed by the culture wars. 100%. So we were talking to two guys before you came in about fentanyl. And uh, as soon as I st- mentioned it, they both kind of 
you know, their shoulders slumped and they were like, yeah, no, that this is, we, uh, our, our issues about harm reduction has absolutely been consumed by the culture wars. And yeah. it was just really, really dispiriting for them. And, and, and that is and literally... that in fairness, the guy we just heard from, he kind of touched on that. The culture wars literally is, it doesn't matter what you're saying, my guy's saying it, so. Yeah, and East, East Palestine, you know, the, 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 the train crash got yeah. immediately consumed by the culture war. Like every issue gets consumed by that. It's, everyone picks a side. Is that and exhausting? They, well, right. I tell you what it is. It's, it's not conducive to progress. And I don't mean that in terms of I'm a progressive. I just mean that it is st- it's, it's stifling. It stops, all, uh, it stops all solving of problems. Everyone just goes into their, their corner, you know? I mean, in comedy terms, it's the exact same. It's like if I'm outside of, like, New York, like, I, just, I will just hide my identity. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hide who I am lest I should uh, uh, not, I don't mean offend as in like cancel culture but like I just don't want to get the, the blood up because the blood gets up so quick you know remember we did mm. Philadelphia Here I Come when I was in fourth year in St. Peter's oh the blood is up lads the blood is up but like the blood gets up so quick now in America especially people escalate so fast energy wise that actually even in stand up it's like you know what i'm not going to be divisive even though there's a lot of humor in the divisiveness i'm not going to be divisive because i'm worried that the blood might get up too much in somebody and the gig gets taken over literally the culture war comes into the room i tell you what you stay with us we'll take a very quick ad break because i've lots more i want to talk to you about don't go anywhere the hard shoulder with kieran cuddy with nissan weekdays from four on news talk and this is The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy coming to you live from Fitzpatrick's Hotel in Manhattan in New York City. We're here with Ireland Gateway to Europe. We're going to hear more about the work they're doing uh, later in the show. But Des Bishop uh, is still with me. You mentioned Des before the break. He said, you know, I'm spending more time here uh, these days than, than in it's Ireland. Because I married a yank. Well, you'll have, to, you'll have to move her when you get the Late Late Show gig. So you're five <laughs> to one. Am I? Yeah, well, you were, sorry. I didn't even see my name. You were I didn't, No, but I didn't even see my name on any of the lists. You kind of drifted. That, I, I, I didn't think I deserved to be on the list. Too xenophobic. <laughs> just I can't have a Yank hosting the late, late, you know. Oh, they only, they only bring the Yanks in when it's convenient, like St. Patrick's Day. No, I'm joking, but I, I actually didn't even see my name on any list. Oh, God, yeah, you were on a few lists. Oh, yeah, already. listen, yeah. If I, I wasn't looking for the late, late, but if I got the late, late now, obviously I'd, I'd move her back. The only problem is she's killing it right now. So, I, 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 like, I, I don't even sound arrogant, but we, we don't must have to take a pay cut. She's absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, so what does she do? <laughs> she's a comedian so uh she's you know originally she was on a reality show but yes. she got into stand-up before i met her she was already doing stand-up but then i actually met her in the pandemic so the pandemic was like a a wasteland she couldn't like evolve her stand-up career so very soon after we met she finished up on the reality show and but her podcast with her partner Paige kind of blew up and then she blew up on tiktok so she's just touring america right now doing stand-up but it was her popularity was driven by uh, social media. And That's why she's freaking out right now. They're going to ban TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like her routine, do you have input to it? Or do you I mean, work independently? I mean, I try to keep our, 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 our professional personas very independent just mm. because like I've been doing comedy a long time. You know, I like to keep that separate. However, it's only natural that we talk a lot about stand-up. Like I, I never dated a comic. I was not... It was like like a decision. Like I'm not messing around within the industry, mm. uh, and I think it was actually that, that was incorrect because the minute we like met, it was actually so nice to have that in common. So often 
we will sit down and talk about ideas and sort of, you know, try to punch them, you know, uh, you know, help. Like she helps me a lot with the social media stuff. Like what's good to post on social media, and then I would help her just with like tagging up bits. And then obviously I just help her with just like, for me mostly it's about telling her about mistakes I made. <laughs> it's, rather than you know, I don't have a ton of uh, experience in the American comedy industry, but like just every now and then she'll come up against like I guess a, a phase of a career development that I've seen. And then I'll be like, well, here's what I did, and I think this was probably bad, so don't do mm. that. Or here's what I did, and it was good. Hannah's her name, we should say. Hannah uh, Burner. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't mentioned her name yet. Dez's wife. Dez's wife. Honestly, over here, Mrs. a lot of times, Mrs. I'm Bishop. Han- Hannah's husband a lot of times. Well, she didn't take my name. Mm. Uh, so she's a Hannah Burner. And so you're your own control group to a degree, or focus group, is that right? Yeah, that, that's a lot. Yeah. Especially like car journeys and stuff like that. Like it is just a fun thing. To, to mess around with. She doesn't have a driver's license, though. So actually, the, yeah, I know. Don't, we, we won't even get into it. But so actually, it becomes a lot about I'm always me. astounded when people don't have driver's licenses. I know. Well, here's what's really The embar- world must be so huge to them. Here's what's really embarrassing for her. She had a driver's license. Oh, let no. it expire more than two years, even though all she had to do was renew it online. And then after, if you let it expire for more than two years, you have to retake the test. And she retook the test and failed. Oh, so no. that's really torturous. No. Well, I, I, I might fail, fail the test if I had to do it now. You know, once you're driving for so long. I know, yeah. I took the American and the Irish one. The Irish one's a lot tougher, I can tell you that. The American one's actually pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, when we're in the car, it very much becomes a me helping her because she'd be writing stuff down I'd be driving. Um, you slid into her DMs or she slid into yours? <laughs> well, I, I followed her originally I, at some stage. I don't even remember when. So during the pandemic, I would see her stuff popping mm. up. But then at one stage, I saw she was near me. And then I saw that she was following me, which I didn't know. Mm. So I did slide into her DMs. I just said, like, oh, I see you're nearby. You want to meet for coffee? And then we met for coffee. But it was a DM slide, which, you know, it, I, a DM slide is very acceptable behavior. It, it, it does, you, don't <laughs> you don't need to be so defensive about it. You know what I mean? It's still, I wasn't accused. I didn't mean I, in an accusatory I, 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 way. I, I did slide The fact that you take it in, in an accusatory <laughs> way actually tells me something. Leave it to that. <laughs> the DM slide, yeah. Um, so that was during that was height of the pandemic, was it? Oh yeah, that was uh, July 2020, and right in the middle of it all. And that's it was the pandemic. And I hadn't planned here, was it? Yeah, I hadn't planned. It was in the middle of me. I was in the middle of me and Mama tour. Yeah. Um, no, I probably would have been back during the summer. I have, I've started. I had started to spend more times during the summer because our family always had this house by the beach, which I, I liked spending time in reliable uh, New York summer weather compared to Ireland, but. Uh, but yeah, I hadn't planned to come back as long as I did. Like I wouldn't have been back long enough to have like a blossoming relationship with a with a, an American woman. That was that was just the pandemic scenario. How did you find the pandemic? I mean, in terms of like hardships, be that financial, mental, anything else? I mean, it was a, for me, it was big financial. I mean, so like just yeah. just compare some people. Like Hannah was still doing a lot of stuff online, so she was doing okay. Whereas like for me, it was just a real drink because I'm just a live guy. That's my. That's what I do, you know. I, I do live shows, so I mean, I, I felt that the, the big uh, financial hole, uh, but then also, uh, it's just kind of got boring eventually. But it was easier here, like I, you know, because I kind of felt guilty. The Irish lockdown was like way tougher, mm. so you know, we didn't have like the. the yeah, the, but New York had it fairly tough, though. Didn't no, it? New York had it tough in terms of like people were dying, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but 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 which is not funny, obviously. But what I mean is that. Actually, the lockdown here was, after that initial lockdown, was not as severe. And it never got severe again. And, like, we were doing gigs from April 2021 at the Comedy Cellar with, like, restrictions. 
But like Ireland was was quite a bit behind. Like I went back to Ireland for the first time August 2021, and it was very much like people were like, "It's great to be out." Whereas like we we had had that feeling for for quite a while. Uh, uh, how how would you have coped with being cooped up as long as we were in Ireland? Do you think? Well, you know, I would have I would have I, I went stir crazy. I would have got frustrated. Now I mean, yeah. I would, my house in Ireland is in Dolphins Barn. I was quarantining out here on the beach in West Hampton, had I been in Dolphins Bar, now, I love where I live in Dublin, but like, it just wouldn't have been as pleasing. Eventually, yeah. I would have got annoyed with the, the canal. canal. through Dolphins Bar, <laughs> it's not exactly West Hampton. I, I would have eventually been like, F these swans, I've had enough for the swans. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dolphins Bar, the West Hampton of South Dublin City. Can I say one thing quick, yeah. just because you talk about Central Park being going, going at like six. Yeah. When I went to Sydney one time, I was so jet-lagged, I was like up in three in the morning. And I was like waiting for it to be a normal time to maybe go out and jog. Mm. And I finally went out at like, at like five o'clock. I was like, feck it, I'm going to go out and jog, thinking that I would look like a weirdo. And the place was buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just laughing to myself. Like, if you were jogging in Ireland at five o'clock, people think you were mental. Yeah. And in, in Sydney oh, and in New York. Be, must be on shift work. You're late. <laughs> <laughs> you get out at five o'clock here. It's like, where were you? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I kind of, I know, I keep painting myself as this kind of um, uh, wide-eyed idiot who'd never been in New York. I've never been in New York. But I, uh, I didn't know whether you could get into Central Park. <laughs> early in the morning. I, I wouldn't know closed. that either. Yeah, because it usually and, says close whether, at dusk. Yeah. But I don't think they have actual gates. Yeah, so it's just kind of don't come in, really. Please I, don't I, come in. I think you're not meant to be in there, but I certainly think at five o'clock you're, you're grand. You know, like people are definitely going hard. Like these, these like corporate people and all this stuff, like they have their routines. Yeah. They get up early, they go to the gym, they jog around the reservoir. So. But I thought maybe as well, people would just assume I was cruising or something, like if you run through the Phoenix I, Park I, in the dark. I, I don't know if the, the Central Park and the Phoenix Park are that analogous <laughs> in relation to, I don't know whether, I don't think anybody cruises anymore, to be honest with you. There's an app for that. So I don't <laughs> no, think you, you... They can slide into each other's DMs. Yeah, you can so, slide into the DMs. You know? There's an app for the for the for cruise-like behavior, <laughs> um, but anyway, it was absolutely heaving, and I, like it is a it is a beautiful place, uh, Central Park. I mean, that's absolutely. not hyperbole. It is it is beautiful. What are your favorite things to do here? When people say, "Oh, what do I what should I do in New York?" No, Irish people always asking me, "What should I do?" I mean, listen, walking around the city is the number one thing. It's like it's kind of a cliche, but you experience the city best by walking around. Uh, obviously all the tourism stuff is fine, but I think the thing that people come back with the most is like finding cool restaurants, walking around, soaking up the atmosphere. Like I find a walk over the Brooklyn Bridge to be a good, even though that is a very like touristy thing to do, mm. I find it's pretty satisfying. And I, I, I always recommend walk over the Brooklyn or, or alternatively walk over the Manhattan and come back on the other one because actually the views on the Manhattan, the Manhattan Bridge is not as pleasing to walk on, but the views are better because actually you're looking at the Brooklyn Bridge, and you're sort of seeing downtown from a different angle. And plus, when you get over to Dumbo, it's like fun over there to like... People watching is just a great thing to do in, in New York. Cities, it's a great it? people-watching place, you know? And obviously, as the weather gets warmer, sitting outside cafes and people... That's my number one thing to do in any city ah, in the world. Sit outside a yeah. coffee shop and watch the you world go by. You can kill yourself trying to get through an itinerary. Just oh, sit no, down. In fact, the itinerary. Yeah. Although, listen, I've, I've brought people, I've been up the top of the Empire State Building so many times, the Irish people come to visit me, and every time I'm up there, it is pretty cool. The later you go, the better, because actually the lines get a lot less. Like, I, I remember being on a date years ago, and I, I ended up going up there at like 9, 9.30. Don't quote me on the time. I don't want to give people bad advice, but I was surprised it was still open. And we just went, like, impromptu. So you're, de- it, you're describing Sleepless in Seattle now, Des. Yeah, but it, what time did they go up? I don't even know. Oh, I, know I think they were up there fairly late in the evening, weren't they? 
Um, I'm, I'm not the first person to be inspired by Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> or Katz's Deli for the other uh, Meg Ryan classic. Um, I, I'm a big, big, big believer in shameless plugs. So what gigs have you got coming up? Oh, well, I'm in Boston tomorrow night. Uh, and then the first show sold out. Big news same. talk audience in Boston. Uh, uh, you never know, man. They yeah. tell you, the Irish, they, they listen. Yeah. They, they listen when they're away. And then I'm in Dublin, April 19th. That's the last Dublin show that I have. Uh, the last Irish show I have until I have to do a new tour in, in 2024. Des, it has been an absolute pleasure. Listen, thanks a million for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.